Welcome to the Stephen and Arjun's Football Podcast, where they discuss anything football, everything football. This podcast is brought to you by Starshot Bakery and Misuboy SG. Craving for party treats like cakes and cookies in Subang Jaya? Visit starshot.bakery on Instagram. Or would you like tiramisu in Singapore? Visit misuboy.sg on Instagram as well. Good day listeners and welcome to another episode of the Steven and Arjun Football Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Misuboy SG and Starshot Bakery. Um, the last episode, we invited Cedric onto the stream to talk about the review of the group stages. And today, we have our panel, the other panel uh, guest, Uday, on the stream to talk about, to look forward towards the prediction of the round of 16 matches. Before we start, I would like to welcome back my co-host, Arjun. Arjun, welcome back. I think Arjun's missing right now. Uh, thank you, Stephen. Good to be back. <laughs> welcome, Arjun. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> my co-host is missing. Anyway. Uh, all right. Yeah, good to be back. Good to have so many episodes that we can discuss over the Euros tournament. Uh, and uh, also, last but not least, uh, Uday, welcome back as well. Hi, yes. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. In- interesting start, huh, Arjun? You yeah. yeah. Missing for a while. <laughs> the magic trick. The disappearing okay. trick. Yes. <laughs> I think since Uday is a France fan, and um, before we start off with round 15 or 16, let us talk. We have to talk about the previous match, the last match, France against Portugal, 2 2. What a match, Uday. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Um, I um, Overall, the game was a clash between two giants, of course. Um, similar to the game in uh, Germany, where they tried to cancel each other out. And then the star of the show was the referee. The way he started pointing at penalties. I think two out of the three penalties were questionable. The first one where Hugo Lloris punched the ball as well as the yeah. Portuguese player. Um, but I heard, look, like, while doing research for this podcast, and I heard other podcasts, they said that it is technically a foul. But he got the ball. So, again, still questionable. And then the other penalty by Mbappe was a very soft dive, I have to agree. Um, but it looked more clear-cut of a penalty than the first one, the one that was given to Portugal. And... Um, yeah, and then right after the second half, Benzema scored again after the penalty. So he's got the first penalty and then he's got, he's got another goal right at the start of the second half. And um, Ronaldo decided to square things up and make it 2-2. So what a game it was. Uh, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. And also I realised the, the referee is a Champions League final referee as well. So I think there's, there's some sort of pedigree there. Yeah, yeah. Of decision. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did your thoughts of the game? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I watched the game as well and uh, I, I have to agree with Uday. I thought uh, it, the first two penalties were quite questionable. The first one for France as well as the first one for, sorry, the only penalty for France and the first one for Portugal. Um, yeah, Hugo Lloris, I guess technically it's a penalty, but it's a bit harsh since you expect the keeper to come out and punch the ball. Uh, and he got the ball first also, so I thought it was a bit harsh. And then the France penalty as well, I thought it was very soft on Mbappe. Mbappe took full advantage. 
Um, yeah, so I guess I guess one penalty unfair each it cancel each other out. So in the end, it didn't really affect the result that much. Uh, Portugal's second penalty I thought was quite well deserved, although uh, it was unlucky that uh, Kunde, the right back, French right back, uh, handled the ball. But I guess his arm was in an unnatural position, so I don't think we can yes. really argue about the technicality of that penalty. So overall, yes, I would say yes. it's a fair result. Ronaldo dragged the Portugal team. Uh, Remember to, to Kimpembe against MU? Sorry? Yeah, yeah. I remember Kimpembe yeah, yeah. against MU? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, I think France were a bit underwhelming as well in the group. Yes, they dropped the group, but uh, I felt like at times their attack like uh, like cohesion. They have a lot of star names, but I felt they relied on Mbappe a bit too much. I felt Benzema wasn't good enough. Uh, Griezmann was having to do a lot of defensive work, so I think I felt like he couldn't show his attacking side as much. Dembele came on and had a spark in uh, the previous match, but then he got injured. So I think France's attack is just not so great at the moment. But Pogba and Kante in midfield have been outstanding for me for France. Uh, and I think if they are in similar form, it's definitely Euro Championship winning form. It's just they need the attackers to uh, finish a bit better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had to mention the, the save from uh, Patricio oh. from that Pogba's curler. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Right. That was a great save. Cool. The fantastic that save. Was a great save. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, out of the few things that I wanted to discuss, I was like, I think Pogba might have listened to our last podcast where I was making, where I was really telling him like, he was so bad. I think he listened to me speak about him and he was like, who is this Ude person, you know? Who does he think he knows? Pogba, come on. Then yeah. he listened to me and wanted to prove a point. I, I think honestly, in the last round of matches, he was the best midfielder in the tournament. Yeah, on definitely. match day three, for yeah, all teams, definitely. I think he was the best midfielder. Yeah, he kind of like shined during international more than he he played for MU. Right? Yeah, I think we talked about this. Uh, some other pundits mentioned this as well. Uh, in some of the other uh, videos I've watched, they mentioned that France, of course, is the Kanté factor, where Kanté can do the job of two men in midfield. Whereas in United, when we want the same job done, we have to have both Fred and McDominay. And then when you have both, you have to sacrifice a winger because you still need to have Pogba and Bruno in midfield. So that's the problem at United. Uh, we don't have a Kante. We don't have one person who can do two jobs. Uh, even if we had, yeah. like I think we mentioned in one of the previous podcasts, if we had a younger uh, Matic, we might have be able to uh, allow Pogba to shine better. But Fred and McDom are not out and out defensive midfielders. They are more, yes. I would say they are more box to box. Uh, they can't yes. cover the defense on their own. They have to be together to cover the defense. So that's why. Yeah. And speaking about Bruno Fernandes, like uh, the last match against France, he was benched. Did they provide more stability in terms of the France, uh, Portugal's central defense, uh, central midfielder position? I think more than that, it was uh, the promotion of Renato Sanchez and João Moutinho. Yes. Uh, yes, uh. I, I feel dropping Bruno Fernandes, but uh, on top of that, dropping Cavalho as well. I felt they should have dropped Danilo uh. as well, but for never. But that didn't happen. But at least Renato Sanchez and uh, Moutinho definitely, I think, improved the Portuguese midfield quite a bit. Uh, I thought Renato Sanchez did quite well against Pogba and Kante in midfield. He was yes. able to hold up yes. the ball. He was very strong. He was able to drive the ball forward for Portugal. So I think that gives the Portuguese coach something to think about as well. Against uh, who are they facing? Belgium? Yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on. Well to, uh, oh, sorry. 
Yeah, sorry, yeah. no, very well said by Arjun about Renato Sanchez, um, the resurgence of him. So I think, yeah, we can continue to the next segment, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, let's start off with the prediction. Let's continue to the prediction for each of the rounds of the matches. Um, Udi, we can start with you. Okay. Uh, the first match is uh, coming on uh, this tonight. Wales against Denmark. Congratulations to Denmark for going through to the next round. I yes. think uh, yes. after whatever happened in the first game, I don't think we spoke much about it. Or I don't think I spoke much about it. Um, about the player getting a heart attack and uh, yeah. Cedric did 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 speak about it though. Cedric, ah, yeah, but he's okay, a Tottenham yes. fan, uh, so understandably. Understandably, yeah. he definitely spoke about it. It's, uh, hope he recovers uh, soon. That's one thing. Um, so the person who replaced Christian Eriksen, Dam's guard, he did really well, and he did really well in the second game as well. So in the last game as well as the previous game, you know that. And um, in the second game, unfortunately, it was against Belgium due to the magic of Kevin De Bruyne that that's why Denmark didn't win the game. So, and then Hoiberg right now is also having a resurgence. We're talking about Renato Sanchez. Hoiberg has two assists in the last game. So, Denmark are playing really well right now. I think they are the new dark horses due to a strong spine. And looks like the goals can come from anywhere. Even a brilliant goal from the centre-back. Andreas Christensen. Mm. So I think Denmark uh, definitely has an advantage here. They also, but the one thing they don't have is home advantage, which they had in the previous game. So this might be a very interesting game moving forward. Um, Wales, Wales had a great second game and they beat Turkey. But honestly, anyone can beat Turkey. I think three of us combined can beat Turkey all together. Um, <laughs> so poor. Match against Switzerland was super boring and bad, except the second half. But they still showed a fighting spirit uh, going down to Switzerland. And the final game in Italy was kind of like a dead rubber. So Wales do have like a cohesive team as well, similar to Denmark. Um, but I hope this is an open game. And uh, my prediction is Wales might win it um, with a 2-1. Oh, wow. okay. What are your thoughts, Stephen? Yeah. Arjun? Oh, my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, Arjun, Arjun, you can go first. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah so, uh, well said about Denmark as well. Uh, I thought they started poorly, of course. Uh, I mean, no, no one would blame them for that uh, after the shock of losing Ericsson. Um, and then second match, they started very brightly against Belgium. They had a fantastic first half. But, uh, of course, magical moments from De Bruyne uh, caused them to lose the match. And then they did really well to sweep aside a Russian team in the last match. I think it was a thoroughly good performance from all over the team. Defense, attack, midfield, keeper. The whole team played really well. And like Uden said, it's not just the goals can come from anywhere. The assists can come from anywhere. They're playing really as a team. Uh, I don't think they have any like standout stars. It's just the whole team functions really well. Having said that, Wales do have some stars who have shown moments of being able to click. Uh, Bale has set up one or two goals for Ramsey. Um, Bale has missed really good chances as well, but that means his teammate has managed to found, find him in such good places. Uh, Bale's attack has not clicked as well as they would have hoped, but I think they did reasonably well given that many people wouldn't have expected them to finish second. I think a lot of people expected Switzerland to finish second. Uh, so I, th- I feel like Bale did really well. Uh, so given that, I, I think I agree with today's prediction as well. I think Bale is going to edge it 2-1. Uh, I hope Denmark goes through. I really do because I think Denmark is everyone's uh, second team to support right now. 
So I really hope they go through, but I think we also go through. Okay. Um, I don't know. I have a feeling that I have to disagree with both of you here. <laughs> <laughs> I think Denmark will go through in like, how should I put it? Uh, like, like what Uday said earlier, like the ghosts come from everywhere and and like they have, you know, Poulsen, then they have, uh, you know, there's a strong spine in that team, lah, even though they lost Christian Eriksen. And I think I think our prediction was that after they lost Christian Eriksen, nobody would blame them if they went out went out of the tournament. But now it turns out to be like Christian Eriksen may, may become their motivation going forward in this tournament, in the Euros. Yeah, so even though they lost the home home support, but um, I would I would say Wales has been quite underwhelming for the past, uh, other than beating Turkey, which, you know, all of us can do it. <laughs> but they have, uh, <laughs> let's not forget, let's not forget. Okay, they lost to Italy. Okay, everybody will lose to Italy. Number one. Number two, they barely hung on to drawing with Switzerland. So, so I think up to now, they haven't performed a, a how do I say, a impressive display. La. And let's not forget the English media like to hype up the home nations. So it would sound like they did very well. Yeah, so I don't know. My prediction for this match is probably Denmark 2-1. Denmark to go through. Yeah. Okay, yeah, um, let's move on to the... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens either. Because I feel like... Let's move on to the second match. Italy against Austria, Arjun. Yeah, so I think this is quite clear. Uh, Italy has been probably the best team of the tournament so far to me. Of course, uh, they had a better, a way better group than... Way easier group, I would say, than France, uh, Portugal and Germany. Uh, France had to navigate uh, the group of death. But performance-wise, uh, of course, we have that exception that Italy have not faced top nations, but still, Italy has performed really well. And I think that would give, definitely give them the advantage against Austria. Austria, meanwhile, performed reasonably well, but I think they are quite reliant on Alaba. Alaba has played a centre-back, left-back, left-wing for Austria, and he has created a lot of goals. He's been everywhere. He's been defending. He's been attacking. So if he's off form, Austria is off form. That's how it, it seems for Austria right now. And yes, they did win against Ukraine. They did win a good performance, but that was also down to Ukraine putting in a bad performance. Um, overall, I just don't think Austria have enough to beat Italy. So I think Italy should win this one comfortably, like 3 0, for, uh, probably. That's my prediction. Yeah, I agree with Arjun. Um, but I think it's going to be a much closer game, might be a 1 or 2 0. Um, that's all I have to say, actually. <laughs> okay, I also predict an Italy win. And that's all I have to say. Um, <laughs> the third match, Netherlands against Czech Republic today. Um, yeah, so I've been following Czech Republic um, a lot because of how I have to discuss it during this podcast. Um, I think uh, this game seems like a Netherlands uh, victory because Netherlands uh, is one of the few countries with the most amount of goals. They scored, I think, Seven goals, I think highest country with the goals, like, that's for sure. Eight is, goals. Uh, yeah. Eight goals, yeah. Eight goals, yeah, yeah, so highest. Definitely, um, this is, seems like a very uh, Netherlands game kind of win. Czech Republic have been very good defensively, and especially as um, a counter-attacking team in which they attack um, by with limited possession and with their quick passing. 
But I think um, Holland might be able to stop them. So um, it's definitely going to be a three, two or three zero. Um, Dumfries is a very interesting uh, Dutch player right now, who's on the rise. I don't. He didn't do it. I, I mean, he played the last game. He didn't do anything spectacular yeah, by scoring or assisting a goal. But the first two games, I think he scored as well. First two games. So I think Dumfries might be the player to watch for this Holland game. Very interesting how Dumfries versus Kufal, the matchup going on with that. That's what I want to see. Um, so my prediction is Holland's going to win it because of their attacking power. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that uh, analysis as well. I think, yeah, Netherlands, oh, despite their bad form during qualifying, they weren't so great. Uh, I think a lot of people, including Cedric as well, doubted whether they would uh, be able to produce good form in Euros, but they have come good. I think also partially due to uh, Wijnaldum having a completely different role than he has with Liverpool. Here, I think he's the main centre-attacking midfielder, and he's been popping up in the box for vital goals as well. People have been able to set him up, the likes of Depay going wide and Wijnaldum coming into the box so that he can be set up. Uh, I think that has been crucial as well to the way they are playing right now. Um, Czech Republic took their moments in matches. Uh, probably produced the goal of the season contender, goal of the Euros contender, sorry, uh, through Sheik. But overall, I, I don't think they have enough to trouble Netherlands. They might score a goal or two, maybe uh, just a goal from like an uh, individual moment of magic, like what Sheik produced. But I think, uh, like what Uday said, I think it's going to be pretty comfortable for Netherlands. Uh, but I'm going to go for like a 3-1 to the Netherlands. Okay. Um, okay. Um, Netherlands. Okay. Yeah. I. I don't know. I don't know how Netherlands perform in, in this game because like they are a bit of a. Uh, you don't know which Netherlands, which Holland team will turn up. You know, in the knockout Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Even though. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's not like if Italy. Italy, the performance in the group stage, they give you the confidence that they will do well in the knockout round. <laughs> but Netherlands, given their history, yeah. given the fact that you know they nearly lost the lead against Ukraine in the first game, and even though they had big wins in the second and third game, but you are still not confident with them with their performance. So I'm thinking whether it's either a Netherlands win or this will go down all the way to penalties. Yeah, because oh, it, it may be a very boring game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, Czech Republic will try to sit back and defend and try to take a sting out again, and then let's 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 go towards penalties and see what we can we can we can get from there. Yeah. So, Honestly, but, but the form of sorry, 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 Stephen, go on, go on. I thought you. Uh, but yeah, so no, but the form of you know Ginny Wijnaldum really surprised me in this tournament. Like, like I don't know. I think leaving Liverpool makes him very happy. <laughs> 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 he starts to score a lot. Even like last time, he did score goals for the national team, but now he's starting to score a lot more compared to the last time. So, yeah, I, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. Yeah. So, uh, we, see, we shall see how it goes. But like what would they say? You know, they have a lot of exciting talent. Uh, I think Donny, what was Donian Melon, mm-hmm. Melon as well, the, the young striker. Yeah. Dumfries and mm-hmm. uh another another striker called Wake Wake Horse is it or? Something like that with W. White horse. White horse. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they have a lot of exciting young talent to watch. Yeah. So looking forward to this match. Uh Uday, please do please 
continue. Yeah, no, I, I was sorry. I thought you were done. Um, I think what I wanted to say is when you were talking about uh, Czech Republic, uh, sitting back is if I was the Czech manager, I, I would actually go for it. And um, like you said, they have a questionable defense, uh, Netherlands. So if I was the Czech manager, I would tell them to just go all out, just go all attacking and see what you can do to this uh, Netherlands defense um, and not sit back. Of course, they might concede more goals, but it might be a, there might be an opportunity for them to win it as well. Yeah, true, true. I don't know. Okay, so shall we move on to the next match? The next match yes. is yeah. the fourth match, Belgium against Portugal. Um, Ajun. Yeah, so uh, I, I will call this the match uh, for the unreliable defences. Because I think both, okay. both teams have unreliable defences at this moment. Belgium's defence, I think we uh, spoke about it before. Aging defense, yes. um, not definitely not as solid as they were in the World Cup. Portugal's defense, Ruben Diaz has been shocking. Uh, I think Pepe has been okay, but with such a vulnerable Ruben Diaz, even their fullbacks have not looked solid. They have been bypassed so many times in uh, the group stage matches. Uh, so I don't, I don't think both their defenses uh, can be relied on. So they have to rely on their attack, and this is where Belgium has a slight advantage. I feel. Because I think Belgium's mm. attack uh, has more cohesion than Portugal's attack. Belgium's attack have played together longer as well. Lukaku, Hazard and De Bruyne, of course, this triangle uh, alongside Mertens as well. Uh, I think they've played together since the World Cup and even before that. So they have an understanding with each other already. Whereas this Portugal attack, I don't think Bernardo Silva, Jota, Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo have played together that often, which is why you see um, their understanding is not as good. Uh, why their attack cohesion is not as good. Ronaldo has been single-handedly carrying the team, I feel. Um, yeah, so I feel Belgium has an advantage in this. I predict this to be a high-scoring game because the defences aren't great. So they will have to go for it, both of them. I think Belgium will edge it 3-2. I mean, who needs a defence when you have Kevin De Bruyne and Romano Lukaku? Yeah, that's true. Like Man City. I mean, if Lukaku was in Man City, I think Man City would be winning everything, even the Champions League. Right? So I, I really don't understand. Like, I mean, have you seen the way Kevin De Bruyne plays? That pass uh, for that offside goal. Like, there were four people around Kevin De Bruyne and Lukaku, and somehow he was able to pass the ball through to Lukaku, and Lukaku scored the goal that he was wrongly flagged uh, offside. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I sound so excited. Just I, I feel really scared as a France team uh, who might have to face Belgium in the semi-final this time around compared to last time. Maybe because it looks like a much more mature team than the 2018 World Cup team. So, I mean, clearly Belgium's going to win. Clearly uh, Kevin De Bruyne. So, I mean, <laughs> that's my prediction. Um, one thing I just wanted to talk about was um, congratulations to Ronaldo for reaching the... Uh, Highest goals uh, player with the most men's player with the most number of international goals uh, tied together with Ali Dai. But there's one mm. thing I wanted to highlight Mokta Dahari, our Malaysian player, has the third highest international goals. Yep. Can anyone guess how many goals he's got? Uh, 80 something, I think. Yes, around 85 to 87 yeah. goals. I think I checked so, him out. Uh, it's very interesting news that I wanted to share with everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, wow. Belgium's going to win. I don't see anything else. That's gonna happen. Three, two, maybe. I don't care, but Belgium's gonna win. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with you all. Belgium's gonna win this game. Just purely because like I think it's a 
comparison between the two defense, and it's quite it's quite uh, evident la, in the in their group state performance in that okay even though Belgium is in an easier group, but they have only considered one goal, and that is like when Denmark was you know the the second match where they were very pumped up because of Christian Eriksen and they scored in the second minute, and whereas if you look at Portugal in the group stages they considered six goals. And the highest, the highest goals considered is about is eight goals by Turkey and North Maca, uh, Macedonia. So you can see the, the, the difference in terms of the defense, even though you know you have stunning like Pepe, Ruben Diaz. Uh, I hope Ruben Diaz continues his poor form into next season with City. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know, we, we did we did see that in the third match, uh, in the third match, third group state match, Santos did change to drop Bruno Diaz. And play uh, Sanchez and uh, Joao Moutinho in the in the CDM position. So it's it will be interesting to see how he plays, uh, how he set up for this game. Probably he'll go a bit more defensive as well. But that means either Bruno, Bernardo, or Diogo has to be dropped in that match. Yeah. So but uh, eventually I still predict. Uh, I still think Georgia will win this. Maybe three one. Okay. Next match: Croatia against Spain. Uday. Oh yeah, um, this is actually a very interesting game that I think might happen. Um, I think Spain, um, the last game, what happened was again they missed the penalty. This time it was Morata who missed it. They definitely missing Sergio Ramos, lah. That's for sure. And this is a game of the two teams that's in the rice. Um, Spain won the last game. Croatia won the last game, and Croatia was able to overtake uh Czech Republic to the second position spot, which was crazy. Um, we all we all assumed that Czech Republic was going to go through into second place. Um, so I think this might be a very close match. Um, Spain made some good changes in the third game, the last game that happened. Paulo Sarabia played very well. I think he might be a player to watch. And um, now again, we're talking about goals coming from different departments. Even in Spain or so, the goals came from many departments. Uh, came from Iberic Laporte, the French. Mm. Born Spanish player right now, <laughs> and then um, it came from two own goals. It came from Dubravka as well. It came from yeah, Dubravka. <laughs> what I say, he punched it into the own So and then um, for Croatia, um, I have an interesting fact: all of fifteen goals yeah. scored from Croatia in major tournaments was from an itch, and they have the itch to score goals. Uh, that's basically what's happening. And um, is there anything better than the outside of Luka Modric's foot? Can anyone tell me? That was such a beautiful shot. Um, again, Croatia is on the rise. They played really well in the last game. Uh, they beat Scotland, who was also a very determined Scotland. So I think this one might be a really close... Again, Ivan Parisi scored, by the way, in the last game. Remember I told you Parisi might score? So I think this might be very close. It might be a 2-1 win. 2 I think Croatia. I think Croatia is going to age it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, I do. just as I said, Belgium versus Portugal was the game of uh, unreliable defences. This game, I think, is the game of unpredictable because both Croatia and Spain have been horrid, uh, quite pretty bad in the first two matches and then they did really well in the last match just when everyone expected Horrible them. Horrible th- right. is, a, is, a, is a too strong. <laughs> I, I would say Croatia did pretty badly because from okay. what people expected them, they reached the World Cup final and then they were they, they didn't do well at all in the first two matches. Uh, 
they lost meekly to England. They, mm. yeah, they they uh, drew to Czech Republic, right? Mm. So there, um, there wasn't yeah, yeah. So there wasn't great at all. And then Spain with two draws against uh Sweden and Poland. That was also very underwhelming from them. So this was a this is a game of the unpredictable. It depends which Spain and which Croatia shows up. But having seen the highlights of both their last matches, even though Spain won 5-0, I feel it was slightly lucky as well. Because in that game against Slovakia, Dubravka was doing really well until the first goal went in. Until he punched the ball into his net. And then he crumbled and the entire Slovakia team crumbled, the defense crumbled. Everyone crumbled. But before that, he had like two or three really good saves. Uh, I, I don't know if you all saw that, but I thought up to that point, I thought that Dubravka was doing really well. But yeah, uh, I think that helps Spain to the final victory as well. Whereas Croatia, it seemed like they really had the desire against uh, Scotland. Uh, Modric really led the team to a victory. Yes, fantastic goals from the outside of his foot as well. So I feel like I just saw more from Croatia compared to Spain. And so I, I think Croatia is going to edge it as well, uh, probably 2-1 or even 1-0. I think it's going to be a game with not that many shots. Because uh, Spain, Spain is going to pass around the ball and Croatia is probably trying to go into try to counter. Yeah, so I think uh, it's going to be a boring match, but uh, I think Croatia will edge it 1-0 or 2-1. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I disagree with you all here. <laughs> probably because, probably also because I, I seldom watch Euros. I only watch the highlights, so I don't as much as you all. But I don't know, I feel Spain will win this. I think the last match where they beat Slovakia 5 0, the X Factor was uh, Sergio Busquets was back, whereas he didn't play at all for the first two matches. And having the experience and the, the know how of, of, of dictating, dictating the game in the CDM position really helped Spain, I feel, in terms of the tiki taka play. And whereas for Croatia, uh, yeah, they recovered from a lackluster display against England. Uh, probably mainly because due to the return of Dejan Lovren in central defense. And, and I think I think for, for Spain to win this, I don't know, I have a I have a feeling that probably I don't know if I'm the manager, I will I will start Adama Triori on the wings, given the fact that Croatia's aging defense and, and their aging squad, probably speed might be might be a killer, like how you know Calvin Phillips and Raheem Sterling scored the goal against them. So, I don't know. I don't know. With the return of Sergio Busquets and uh, and a little bit of stability in terms of the CDM position, probably Spain will edge this 2-1. Yeah. Uh, next match, France against Switzerland. Uh, Uday. Um, this is uh, a match in which I have to definitely say France will age it, um, just due to my uh, my support me supporting France. But um, I think in general, Switzerland came out of a group consisting of Italy and Wales as the third place best team, and they played really well in the final game against Turkey. But again, <laughs> we all can beat Turkey, can we? And then Angelo uh, yeah. might be one of the players that can cause some issues to France. Um, but besides that, there was nothing uh, notable in the Swiss side that made me 
think that they might trouble France. Of course, there was supposed to be nothing notable in the Hungary side that was supposed to challenge France, but somehow Hungary made it. But I think France, even though their firepower might not be good this time around, uh, most probably Paul Pogo might star again in this match. And um, I think it's great that Benzema broke his uh, goal drought in European competi- international European competition, so he might get a goal in this match. Um, again, France has some questions on defence, and if I, I was the Swiss manager again, I would tell them to go out and attack the French team. But it might be a very close 1-0 or 2-0 for France. Yeah. Yeah. So for this match, I have to definitely say France as well. I don't think there's a question of who's going to win. Um, be- yeah. Just because France still topped the group of death, although they didn't perform as well as uh, people would have expected. But Switzerland disappointed more as well. Uh, they finished behind Wales. They did well in the last match, but everyone beat Turkey in the group, as they said. So <laughs> I don't know how much of a saving grace that is. Uh, they were expected to win the match against Wales, but they didn't. I think that was the main thing from that group. Uh, mm. And as Cedric mentioned, Switzerland has been a round of 16 team uh, in the past tournaments. So I don't, I really don't think uh, Switzerland will get through France here. Having said that, I don't think France will uh, crush Switzerland as well. I, I think it's going to be like a 2-0 composed control win from France. Uh, I don't think they're going to like try to score so many goals or but, but I think they'll really dominate and control the match. And yeah, probably a 2-0 win. Yeah, I have to agree. I think this is a France victory. But if I'm the Switzerland manager, I will ask my players to concentrate on France's right-back position, whereby uh, neither Pavard nor Kunde uh, really performed well in that, in that role. Pavard considered a goal against Hungary. Kunde yeah. considered the penalty in the last match against Portugal. So probably put Mbolo there on the, on the left wing, or probably Shaksiri. Yeah, and that is that. That may be the only weak, weak spot in France defense, that, which I will try to get to. Uh, but eventually, I feel it will still be a France victory. Okay. Yeah. Um, next uh, sorry, match. Sorry, just before that, uh, I just yeah. want to say that France might have more uh, success trying Griezmann at right back because I thought he did really well defensively on the right <laughs> side. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, next match, Arjun. Uh, England against Germany. Um, so this is again a match which I feel the British media is overhyping England. Uh, they, they still, I think I saw somewhere where the British media predicted England to reach the final. I really don't think that's okay. going to happen. Uh, I, I think they're going to go out in this match. Just because uh, I think I mentioned in the previous podcast that England have only scored two goals. Even though they topped the group, two goals is nowhere near good enough. In a team consisting Croatia, Czech Republic, and Scotland, I expected more from them. Yes. Uh, defensively, they've been solid, no doubt. Uh, I don't think teams have troubled them enough. And yes, that's also because they played two defensive midfielders, enough cover for their centre backs. Stones has been on good form as well. Uh, Pickford, somehow for England, he's been on good form as well, I have to say. I don't think he made any mistakes at all. Uh, he's, he was quite solid. So defensively, there's no question. But yeah, offensively, I think England is really poor. And if they continue that against Germany, I think Germany will win it. And if Germany manages to exploit England's on the wings, as they did against Portugal, uh, Germany is yes. going to have a really comfortable game. Uh, I think they have, Germany have slowly found 
away to attack uh, after the first match loss against France where they couldn't finish chances. Yes. I think they have found yes. a way to get their attack to connect. So as much as uh, I, I guess the whole world is hyping England and the British media is hyping England, I think this is where the journey ends for England. Uh, I think this is a 2-1 victory for Germany. I, I do bet England to score one goal somewhere, either a penalty or <laughs> somehow they'll score one goal, I think. But I think Germany will win this 2-1. Today? Yeah, um, that was very good analysis. Um, I honestly thought that in the last game, Germany was, was a bit unlucky. Uh, and then uh, top marks for them for coming back against Hungary. Another goal for Kai Havertz, uh, quickly becoming one of the crucial players for Germany as well. Um, I then for England, they looked, the last three games, they just looked not very cohesive. Um, similar to what you're talking about, France. At least France, their midfield uh, uh, pivot looks very cohesive. Pogba and Kante, at least they look, and Mbappe as well. Uh, for England, I feel besides Sterling, and maybe Saka, who had a good third game. I don't see anyone else performing very well. Maybe Grealish. Um, but if Grealish plays against Germany, and I think that might be an issue in which uh, Germany can exploit, because Grealish is not the player that presses a lot. So if they play around towards Grealish's side, uh, definitely Germany will have a lot of space for them to attack. And who they're going to play at left-back if Grealish plays in the middle? Sorry. If they cut through the middle, most probably Grealish play in the middle. So if they cut through the middle, who's going to be protecting Grealish might be very important. Not too sure whether Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips can do that against the German side. So it might be a very close game, but I think this is going to go to penalties, just like every other England-Germany match. And then we can just go to the final penalty in which uh, an England defender just backs the ball up into the sky and the German team putting their knees on the floor and crying because they're going to the next round. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, my, my prediction for this match is also a German victory. And I don't know. Yeah, I agree with Arjun that you know, the media is overhyping England. The fact that they only scored two goals. And in comparison, North Macedonia and Russia also scored two goals. North Macedonia. Which is the first time they had in a major tournament. Which is the first time that they participated in a major tournament, they managed to score two goals. And they, and they finished bottom really of the group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and in comparison with that, Netherlands scored eight goals, which is four times more than what England managed to score. So, they really have a big problem in terms of attack. And then we did discuss in the last, last podcast with Uday where I think the problem is with Harry Kane changing the position and they do not have, he doesn't have a runner like Son Heung-min, uh, Sadio Mane, or... Uh, or uh, Mo Salah where by the central striker drops deep and you know and the wingers start to run forward. Yeah. So they have an attacking problem. So for this match, uh, I think the crucial battle is like what Arjun mentioned, which is the, the left and right back. And they have to be careful of Gosens and Kimmich, especially Gosens, which really impressed me in the match against Portugal. Um, on the on the left left wing back position for Germany. And in this match, I think this will be the, uh, the, the place where Southgate made a mistake where he did not bring, I feel he didn't bring the best right back he has, which is Aaron Wan Bisaka defensively. Yeah, and, and that, would, that, that would probably exploit England and also Kimmich on the, on the left back position. Um, 
Luke Shaw is not their, their best left back. Their best left back is under quarantine right now. Yeah, so 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 I my prediction for this game is uh it's gonna be a bold one. Because once Germany starts scoring, they can't stop. As you can see in the match against um uh, Brazil 7-1 and recently against Portugal, when the floodgates are open, they can't stop scoring. I'm going for Germany 4, England 1. Oh wow. <laughs> that would yeah. be quite a match. Yeah, and I realized Kai Havertz really, yeah, Kai Havertz really got on form since he scored that Champions League final winner. Yeah. Okay, next match. Uh, last match, Sweden against Ukraine. Uh, Ude? Um, I definitely think that one of the Swedish players or a few of them listened to a podcast where I was telling that the previous second Sweden game was so boring that they made this the most entertaining game ever. Um, I think there were two goals um, by the Swedish striker. Um, his name... Forsberg. Forsberg, yeah. Uh, what, a, what a brilliant game as well. And even the first goal, Ishak was uh, kind of uh, assisting or was contributing to the goal. Uh, he fell down when he was running the ball and it somehow landed on Forsberg's feet. And then after the first goal, the second goal in which the... Uh, uh, sorry, Sweden's right winger had so much space in which he was able to exploit uh, Poland's defense. He just ran from the halfway line. There was no defender that was nearby him. Up to the point, he even assisted the goal. And then after the Fosberg show, it was the Lewandowski show as well, uh, where he's got two brilliant goals. Um, And then, and it was bad defending from Sweden, which I was praising them. So the Swedish player was like, nah, we're not going to be good defending this time because Udi said, (laughs) <laughs> and then finally there was a 93rd minute winner so what a crazy game this was um, Sweden uh, are on the rise right now again and I feel like uh, they might beat Ukraine yeah Ukraine had a good second half versus Netherlands and they played alright against North Macedonia um, I think even we can beat North Macedonia just like how we can beat Turkey <laughs> and um, that game was really open where North Macedonia exposed exposed the Ukraine defense. Um, Yarmolenko seems alright up top, but then they played badly in the final game. So Sweden might just win this at the end. Uh, might just be another one two zero for Sweden. Uh, anyone would like to disagree with what I said? Um, no, <laughs> I, I actually agree with uh, what you said about the score as well. I think uh, Sweden's going to win this as well. Because uh, Sweden has been one of the surprise packages for me so far in this tournament. Uh, of course, they've been helped with Spain being quite toothless up front uh, for the first two matches. And Sweden taking full full advantage. I think Sweden have been quite solid in defence up to the last match in which, uh, like you said, Lewandowski got them napping for the two goals that he scored. Of course, I think one of the goals were, was a brilliant shot into the top corner. But the other one was a gift. Uh, he was just right in front of the keeper and he struggled in. But other than that, I think Sweden have been quite solid in defence and they've shown that they can attack as well. Um, meanwhile, Ukraine, yes, they did uh, well, reasonably well. Uh, I would say against North Macedonia, but the last match, I think a lot of people expected them to win. They didn't. They performed quite badly up front as well. Yes, they lost only by a goal, but um, Austria had a lot of chances, uh, while Ukraine didn't have that many chances. 
Yeah, Malenko, I think he came on or he started, I can't remember, but he didn't do that well either. Um, yeah, so overall, it, it all points to a Sweden victory for me. Uh, probably, I'm going to go with like a 2-0 Sweden victory. Um, again, I don't know whether... I, I feel like this uh, will be an exciting match as well because Ukraine likes to attack and Sweden have shown that they can attack. So, yeah, I think it will be an exciting match, but I think Sweden will win it 2-0. Mm. Yeah, I have to agree with a Sweden win. And I have to also agree with uh, it will be an all-attacking match given the fact that Ukraine is coached by uh, Andrei Shevchenko, the legendary striker. Yeah. So probably a 3-2. But uh, for, for Sweden, uh, Arjun, do you, do you think that Lindelof plays better when he's at Sweden compared to when he's at MU? Uh, I, uh, to be honest, I think he's a bit underrated at United as well. He does put in pretty good performances, but... It's also because the expectation is so much higher that if he makes mm. one mistake, people talk about it for the next 10 matches. Um, while yes. if he has nine solid matches, nobody says anything about it. Uh, I, I think he's quite underrated, to be honest. Uh, yes, when he was making some mistakes, I was one of the, his critics as well. I didn't like him so much. But I think recently, mm. um, at the end, he has been, like, last part of the season, he has done quite well. With uh, mm. formed a quite solid partnership with Bugayo as well. So, yeah, I think it's down to the expectations at a top club. So, if he was playing for a top country, I think it would be the same as well. He would have more expectations. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yes. I yeah, think he's I more think... Under, under the microscope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, what you said about him making a mistake, I mean, that's uh, every professional player in a big, big team. If a big team player doesn't perform well one game and he performs well nine ten games. Uh, you definitely won't you definitely the media will definitely criticize the player because he's supposed to be playing in a big team. He shouldn't be making mistakes. Yeah. Like look at what happened to Ruben Diaz. We have been uh, talking about him a lot recently in the Euros uh, because of how poorly he's playing. Even the what just one or two games in which he's been playing well he had a brilliant season from NCT. <laughs> so it's normal. Um, to answer Stephen's question, um, yeah, maybe he may not be the best uh, defender to partner Maguire um, for Manchester United. Maybe Bailly might be a bit better. Is he better for Sweden? I think he might be better for Sweden compared to Manchester United. But again, we, very, we see very little of international football for us to compare. Whereas in, if you see him in the club, you see him within the club. So, it's a very tough question to answer, but I think it might be better in Sweden. But I have to say, like, to be honest, maybe to be fair, probably also because the expectation and the pressure of playing for MU is much, much, much more higher than compared to playing with Sweden. Yeah, yeah. actually, that for that point, uh, probably it's the same with Pogba as well. Because uh, at United, yeah. I think uh, it's expected that the whole team will move around him. Of course, after Bruno Fernandes came in, uh, the expectations have shifted a, lot, a little bit. And that's why you saw Pogba's uh, performances get better as well. But in front, he's just yes, one star uh, surrounded by so many other stars. Yes, yes, true. But but for, for for the Lindelof case, I can see that in his face every time when he made a mistake. He looks like he's under a lot of pressure, immense pressure, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so probably that what that, that's what made me say that. Lah. It's because of the expectation and pressure. Yeah. Um, Uday, anything else to add before we end the podcast? 
Um, no, I think I've covered all my um, interesting fun facts for the day. So I think there's nothing else to add. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, listeners, thank you for listening in for this uh, for this episode. And if you have any feedback for us, please please do drop us a DM on our Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Stephen underscore Rock underscore O N on. Arjun's Instagram handle is at Ruven Arjun. And uh, uh, Udi, thank you for joining us and thank you for being so supportive. Thank you, thank you. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> France goes through and then there'll be a France-Croatia uh, quarterfinals for me. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good one. Alright, yeah. uh, stay tuned as we will have a prediction and a review as well for group of, uh, round 16 and a prediction for quarterfinals as well, hopefully. And in the meantime, stay safe and we'll see you again. Bye-bye.